there, friends. It's your girl, Sheree, and I'm here because we have opened our Patreon vault. So y'all are getting an episode that we recorded last year in 2023 about a movie that we really loved, and it was a good episode, and we wanted to share it in this new year as a gift, if you will. It's kicking off our month of Love Gone Wrong, because it's February after all, and we are Fear Street, so we gotta make it different and weird. If you've already heard this episode on our Patreon, then you can go ahead and skip ahead unless you want to rehear it because it is a good episode. And next week we are covering Saltburn. Bye. Thank you. everyone and welcome to a nightmare on fear street a monstrous podcast about all things horror if you like what you hear today then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our patreon for bonus content and merch you can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash a nightmare on fear street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at all right hello everyone out there in patreon world today we are here and we and I am queer. I say that joke a lot. I need to stop. And <laughs> <laughs> and today we are covering bones and all. That's right, y'all. We're eating good this month. Yay! <laughs> um, we chose this because this is a movie we both actually like. Um, maybe to varying degrees. And also, we just covered the book in our inaugural <laughs> book club book. Yeah. yeah, if you're on what well, you're obviously on our Patreon, you have access to our book club and our Discord. And we definitely yeah. read Bones and All by yeah. let me get my notes together because I'm a professional. I'm a woman in STEM. <laughs> Come on, computer. Yes. Um I by, do not read. So listen, therefore I'm just kidding. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> um the book was written by Camille De Angelis. I probably just butchered that while biting myself. I'm so like <laughs> winning. I haven't touched the wine yet. I just smelled it. <laughs> so winning. <laughs> Good wine. But if you are a fan of books and you remember how to get to our Discord, you could definitely like weigh in on that book and the books we've read afterwards. Because it's been a while now as you're hearing mm. this, not as we're recording it. True. But yeah. And this one's also fun because I saw this movie in December and I just read the book um, like two weeks ago. <laughs> And so, like, they're both playing in my head, um, whereas Trent is just a, another fresh watch of this movie. So, yay. Because it is one of my favorites from last year. I absolutely adore this movie. I think it is fantastic. I am so excited to talk about it because I know I love it and, Trey, you like it. So, hey, we're going to have a good time today. Which is all we can ask for on Fear Street. Like, <laughs> right? We won't have fights, maybe. We'll probably have find something to fight about. So. Oh, we'll always find a way to fight, but like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So let's get into this, Sheree. Let's get into this romance. This. Okay. I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This was the first time I ever saw Timmy Chardonnay act, and I get it now. I, he just, I don't do romance movies and he's an art hoe, which I appreciate because I too was an inspiring art hoe. Um, <laughs> um, and so like, I was just really happy that he can actually act because a lot of times people are like, so-and-so, so great, so-and-so, so amazing. And so-and-so is not giving. But I think that him and Taylor Russell, who was our lead and Mark Rylance turned out performances that would not have been overlooked had it's not been a genre movie. 
Absolutely. The, the, the performances across the board in this film are incredible and they're, they are interesting. They're, they're, none of them are super over the top. They're very, um, very specific and like real, which is weird because we're talking about cannibals, which yeah. are real. Don't get me wrong. But like, <laughs> like, I think a lot of people have a hard time finding the human in their monsters. Mm-hmm. And this led with human humanity that happens to be monsters. And that's yes. more interesting than, oh, raw, raw. Don't yes. forget, I built it. So it's my fault. <laughs> right. And I mean, all I will add to that little thing is Timothy Chalamet could get it. I, it, ooh, that little twink. <laughs> 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 I think it's the nose, y'all. I don't know. I have a thing for big noses, but like, ooh, Timothy Chalamet. In my short king era, because I am a short queen, and so I've had to be like, not everybody needs to be a tree. I could date somebody who's well, date <laughs> me dating. <laughs> I could I could go over to somebody's house who's under six feet. Oh, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> yes, I could swipe I, right on somebody who's five nine. I've grown. Look <laughs> right. I ooh Tim and Shawnee. Ooh ooh. <laughs> I yes, but yeah, you're right. Every performance is fantastic. I was going to say that I also love that while she's anchored by Timmy and Mark, it's still very much her story. Because what happens mm. a lot of times, especially when you have a male director, is they're like, how to make it about the men? How to make it about the men? But we never lose sight of her. We never go, oh, no, I lost her. Is it really her story? Like, it, it's all her. We are with her as she encounters these people and as she makes her decisions about these people. Yes. And I will just say, this is a male director, so, you know. But... His track record, his resume is everything. Well, two things that we both love, and one thing that I love that I don't know that you love, or you may not have seen it because it's not your, it's not in your wheelhouse. He directed "Call Me by Your Name" in 2017. He he directed Suspiria, the remake. Oh yeah. And he did Bones and All. Like I, Luca Guadagni. Yeah, How, I'm, I'm not gonna try his last name. I you love you. <laughs> So I'm not going to try to butcher your last name. But yeah, fantastic filmmaker. I think that you're right. And I think it's it's Marin's story the whole way through. You don't even meet Lee, Timothy Chalamet's character, till like 30, 40 minutes in. Like, yeah. No, I had forgotten he was going to be there because I was so wrapped up in her and what she was going through. I yes. I was living my best life with her because you know I love a black lead and I love to see like women get to be hungry on film because like they're just like, no, starve, bitches. And so I I was just here for all of it. Essays upon essays need to be written. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised because I went to see it because I'm a good scholar. Not because I thought I was going to like it because I don't do romance, but I do do cannibals. So I was (laughs) like, I might find some moments to enjoy. But then I walked out and be like, oh, no, I have feelings. Right. I I just think, and this is such a smart romance because I have written down, this is the queerest film about an opposite opposite sex couple. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love how queer they both are, even though they are in a, an opposite sex relationship. And I, and I, cause you know, you've got the scene where she is eat, eating the girl's finger when yes. the girl put it in her mouth to begin with. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, listen. If you but, put a rib in front of my face, I'm gonna bite it. Don't be putting your shit in people's faces. Yes, I and then you have the scene where Timothy Chalamet's character literally has sex with a man, and so like 
I I just think that's so super interesting to have this modern love story about a, a sec where a sexual orientation is kind of in this beautiful gray area. And I and I love that and I want more of that. That's one of the changes that I do like that they made from the book to the movie because in the book he his queerness is not there. Like you kind of want to imprint it on him because you saw the movie first, but like I I don't really see it. For instance, the carnival person he seduces um, as a girl in the book and not a mm. dude. Also, his sister doesn't throw that slur at him. And we don't talk about what he's wearing because like in the movie, they are very much like, what would Timmy Chardonnay wear? And he's like, these outfits, bitches. <laughs> and we were like, yes, yes. And and the slur, I don't want to spend too much time on the slur because I feel like we've talked about it in previous episodes. It took but me I out will... of the movie. It took me out. It did. Yeah. And I don't love it. I do, it is a little murkier for me because at least it is such a queer film. It's not like uh, what's that other movie with the, with the same slur? Um, Barbarian. We both loved it. What? Barbarian. Barbarian. When he's not even referring to a queer person, he's just throwing it around willy dilly. Like I still think there's definitely better story, better writing could have happened in that moment, but I don't hate it as much. If that makes sense. I don't know Luca, but from like the track record, I'm assuming he is a queer artist because I don't usually enjoy the work of too many straight men. So like (laughs) if I have to add another one there, I will, but I doubt it. And so I will never take a word away from him, but it did make me feel less for Kayla, the sister, because Mm -hmm. I get it. She's hurting. She misses her brother, but also throwing that at the person she's supposed to be closest to, that just felt very weird. And it felt unnecessary, especially coming from her. And yeah. so I'm just like, if you want this moment in your movie somewhere, perhaps it needs to be somewhere else, or perhaps somebody else could say it. Um, yeah. I I don't think it was needed. But again, I'm not here to tell queer creators they can't use a slur. And I will say too, I don't know either if he is queer or not. Um, I will say with Call Me By Your Name, Bones and All, and, bon- and Suspiria, it's as, your, as your top, yeah, as your top <laughs> tier resume, you've got openly queer pretty much queer and all the ladies <laughs> and it was very queer they yeah, it was very clear. Yes. holding hands <laughs> right right so i think he you know if i were a betting man which i'm not but <laughs> i'm going to put down my last ten dollars oh <laughs> so yeah again i i think that i don't know it took it took me out and I know that like I don't matter but like I was just like I don't like that because this movie's already too much <laughs> we already have too many feelings and now you're gonna like also like do a drive-by hate crime for host yeah yeah like I said I do think that there are better there are better choices that could have been made in that moment but I do think this is kind of the least of my gripes with that use of that word in films so I kind of give it a pass, you know, but better know. words could have been said. I don't know. Because again, like, I don't, I don't see her being a backwater, ignorant person. I see her and her brother being two survivors of parents who were oh, probably not great people. Yeah. And I see them both trying to be better people. And so for her to like, go to that low place, it just felt weird and in yeah. the movie she dies and i didn't feel as bad for her because she's out here throwing on the f word um so, <laughs> in the book we don't think she dies she's not she, at least she doesn't seem like she's dead um but like in the movie i'm like you know what that's karma bitch 
Yeah, and I will say too, I to me, I didn't I read it as her using a word that is used a lot, sadly, that is used a lot in southern rural culture. Um, having grown up in it, I was there. And that the other thing I'm curious about, I'm curious where your feelings are on this. I couldn't get a time frame on this film, which I think is also brilliant because it, it brought me back to 2002, Greenbrier, Arkansas, where, yeah, people called me the faggot all the, all the time. And even people that I liked or, you know, might have thrown it around to me about me or whatever. And, you know, it's all, yeah. I, I think it's said in like perhaps the 90s because it doesn't feel super far away, but also they don't have cell phones and new gadgets and shit. But like also I, I couldn't, I couldn't, if you put me in a court of law and I had to like give you the year or else go to prison, I'd be fucked. Um, right. <laughs> and I'm fine with a timeless piece, especially when it's something like this, because it is such a mood. You don't want it to be like, oh, what I got those new iPhone 11s so we know when this is. Right. What I also felt like it added to kind of the... Um... The, cl- the the class of the film because these are both everyone in this movie is kind of the the underbelly the forgotten the the th- the people that are interacting and, and thriving and surviving in a world that kind of is timeless you know they don't have a lot of technology because they can't afford it you know that's kind of what I saw too especially with Marin and her father being you know going from place to place a lot never really settling because. I couldn't because she kept fucking eating people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and same thing, and same thing with Lee. He couldn't really settle because he's eating people. So you kind of, you can't really, you don't make a lot of money that way. So until you eat them and you steal their money. <laughs> no, and I think that's part of the beauty of the story and why I leaned in, even though, again, it was advertised as a romance. Um, it's because like at the end of the day, it's two kids who can't share a part of themselves with the world, find each other to share a part of themselves with. Yeah. Which I think is another reason why I, I see so much queerness in the film. Yeah. Like I, I definitely feel like this is a couple who neither half is completely straight. Um, oh, right. which <laughs> I, I feel that in my bones cause I know so many couples who neither half mm-hmm. is completely straight. Mm-hmm. Um, she liked that finger worked. a little too much and he liked that man a little too much <laughs> listen listen there's, there's a whole there's a whole assortment of places to be on that rainbow and exactly. I love that more people are figuring it out sooner in life because I think a lot of our parents and grandparents part of the reason they were so bitter and miserable and assholes is because they never owned who they were because yeah. you're supposed to get married have an awful job have a bunch of awful kids and be miserable and die and so how dare you think about who you might be and who you might want to be? And how mm-hmm. dare you <laughs> act on any impulses? And I love how it's not a plot point. It just is. That's what makes it effective. Because yeah. had it been like the stereotypical monologue of, I'm so queer and I'm so sad, I would have been like, no. I'm going to say less, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, please. Not again. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about Sully for a little bit? Because... Yes. My main creep, Sully. <laughs> he Listen, was creepy from the top. <laughs> I knew not to trust him from the moment we met him in this movie. And reading the book, he gets more of her story. But, like, you go first. Because I got book spoilers. I, I was just going to say that he, what I loved about him, and I don't, I think this is a, a combination of fantastic writing, which this film is written by David Kajnach? I'm sorry, y'all. 
<laughs> that man, David, did very well. And then the and then the fantastic performance by Mark Rylance. And I I just think it was I equally I was equally creeped out and kind of felt for him in certain parts too. I kept going this back and forth until like in the first scene with him. And then in the second scene, I was like, okay, no, 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 no. This is red flag still. More red flags. And then we see what happens. But I knew not to trust him the second we met him, just because I have been a young girl out in the world and nothing good comes from older men. Nothing good. Especially when he pulled out that long ass thing of hair. That's like, so fucking gross. <laughs> it's you can't keep hair from your victims, you dirty bastard. Like <laughs> I was I was Oh, so that was like, the grossest part of the movie. Not the cannibalism. No. The hair. I had to look away from that. Because I was like, how am I going to eat people? Not like pull their hair. Ugh. Um, <laughs> but like, so in the movie, um, Sully has that braid. And at the end, when they're going through a shit after like all the damage is done at the fight, mm-hmm. they find the braid and they see Kayla's hair at the end. Natalia knows his sister's dead. In the book, it's completely different. It's completely different. Oh. Because in the book, we first off find out that Sully is her grandfather. Also, it wasn't her dad that left her at the top. It was her mom. Her dad's the one in the, like, asylum. And he doesn't try to eat her, but, like, the person who's taking care of him and believes his story does try to get her to, like, eat him. And that's also very Predator-like. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, But, yeah, Sully outs himself as her grandpa towards the end, and then he comes to, like, get rid of her. And her and Lee, like, fight him off, and Lee, like, takes care of him. And then Lee climbs into bed with her and he kisses her on the neck and lets her eat him. Because, like, again, she can't keep this hunger. Um, She's been trying to, like, not handle it and not have it. And he just goes ahead and he gets in. He's like, I'm going to make my move. I think it's time that we try to see what we're going to be. And she's like, don't do it. I'll eat you. And then he ain't there no more. And, you know, I will say, I think I respect those changes in the film. I don't think none of those changes feel like it changed the heart of the story to me. And so, but it is interesting to think about like what it would have been. I did like that it was her mother that she was going to find, and her mother was the one that tried to eat her. And I and I enjoyed that her father was the one that was like, "I can't do this anymore." So, I yeah. I liked it in the movie, but like in the book, I I'm not mad because we see so many yeah. single moms out there, anyways, and nobody would even like bat an eye at a single mom driving around yeah. the world with her daughter. And like she eats so many more people as a child, which is why the mother is finally like, I, I can't do this. And we get to see, well, hear some of those stories because she eats a little boy at camp. She eats a little boy at his mom's holiday party for the people at her mother's office. Um, and so, like, the mom is really just like, you keep eating other kids. I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving. Good luck. And she yeah. leaves her like all the receipts and things. And it's it's more impactful because again, she's like, I always want to know who my dad is anyways. Cause like if my dad's like me, then he'll know. And we find out in the book that the dad was adopted. And so like the family had heard rumblings that this kid was found in a bathroom and like the person who abducted him was just like in pieces. And they were like, well, a baby can't do anything. So this baby's fine, right? That yeah. baby took care of himself, ate that pervert. Um, right. Well, and the mom, the mom in this one was she was adopted too. It's very subtly mentioned in the script. The white woman she meets that was her adoptive mom. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, because yeah, again, <laughs> I have not seen it since like December. Now, and it's part of a triple feature. Right, and they didn't talk about her being abducted or anything, but she was adopted. And the mom is like the adoptive mom is really like 
doesn't want to talk about her. I will say, I think again that read that's another reason why it reads so queer to me is that no parent in this situation is given no family, no biological family is giving these people support or love or um, anything like that. They're very much kind of on their own and figuring it out themselves, which relatable content. Speak, Speak right, especially speaking from the queer experience. Like, yeah, you got to figure it out on your own. And like, I so I think I just love this movie so much. It's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. It's such a mood. I again, I did not go in with high expectations because again, I was like, cannibals, yeah, but also romance. And also, yeah. like Timmy Chardonnay, he interviews well, but I've never seen him act. And so I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna go in here and get like fed a bunch of bologna. Um, and so I was oh, really happy that it was a good time. Well, it was not a good time, but it was a good movie. Right. This Okay, and so I, I went to the Alamo Draft House, because mm-hmm. my Alamo Draft House is 30 minutes away from me. Mm-hmm. So when I invest in an Uber or a Lyft to get there, I have to make it a day to make it worth it. So I was like, how can I fit in these three movies? And the way it fit in, because this one is so much longer than the other two I saw that day, it just had to be the mm-hmm. first movie. So wow. I literally watched <laughs> this. I went to the bar to drink and they were like, what'd you see? I'm like, bones and all. And they're like, so you want another drink? I'm like, I do. <laughs> and I went back in to watch The Menu and then I went back in to watch Violent Night. <laughs> and I was still just like, Timmy Chardonnay just got eaten. <laughs> I was big stressed. Yes. And going back to like the having to figure it out on your own, I do think it's it speaks to one of the things the theme or a theme that they kept coming back to in the plot of this film is this idea of quote unquote ethical cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was really interesting and in how every character kind of navigated that on their own. Like even Lee and Marin had their own kind of system. Sully had his own system. The two rando dudes had their own system. One of those randos wasn't even an eater. He was just a person who wanted to eat people. That's different. That I can't respect. Like, (laughs) I don't typically hate the players. I hate the game, but that fool. (laughs) Um, But to your idea of the ethical cannibalism, um, I really like the conversation because, like, we are definitely talking about ethical sourcing for, like, food today because a lot of people Mm. are like, I know what happens to animals. I can't eat from these companies anymore. And we also are living in an age where we know that there's ethical porn. There's the other porn. And mm-hmm. so, like, whatever your diet is, <laughs> um, you have to be There are better diets, probably. Listen, listen. Because I never thought about ethical porn until I was, like, writing Craigslisted. And part of my mm-hmm. research was watching those documentaries that were on Netflix at the time about sex work. Mm-hmm. And just hearing those stories. And I was like, are you? oh, no, it's even worse than I somehow assumed. And it, it's not like that everywhere. But unfortunately, most of the, like porn that people consume is definitely murky and there's gray areas and people are not always getting consent for all the things and some of the girls are underage whereas if you spend the extra few minutes to like find your ethical porn then you can have it bookmarked for when you're ready as opposed to having to search it out in the moment because i know nobody wants to do that and so that's a whole thing i never thought about and i didn't even think about a phrase for that until i saw somebody talk about ethical porn online um a few months ago, because I have yeah. some random Twitter people I follow who write all kinds of shit. And they're like, I'm keeping an article about ethical porn. I'm like, what's that? Oh, <laughs> that's kind of the thing that I couldn't put a name to a few years ago. Yeah, that's that. And I think it's really interesting, too, because I think with the 
invention is not the right word, but the introduction of these kind of self-publishing ways of creating your own pornography, your own sex work, I think that's really helped bring to light some of these, um, the egregiousness of the porn industry. And I think that typically, like I, I had this conversation with a coworker the other day, when I, I, I feel about porn the same way I feel about nonprofits. <laughs> listen, if li- you're looking listen. at some, right, if you're looking at like a national big name, you know, uh, nonprofit like oh the breast cancer one with the pink ribbons and all, like, and then, yeah, and then but you know, they're usually not all the time. There are some good ones out there. You can find you can find the information on the good ones, but. Seven times out of ten, they're trash. If you want to know the nonprofits who are doing the work for communities, go local. Look look around you. Look at local nonprofits. And even then, you'll find a few that aren't doing the, the right things. But it is far more likely that a local nonprofit is actually putting in the work and being ethical about what they're doing as opposed to a big national thing. Same thing with porn. If you look at like most of the quote unquote look ethical locally porn, for porn, y'all look to your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go to like the only fans, even though I know only fans has some problems or just for fans or like they're all not like local, small, small businesses. <laughs> Cause like, at the end of the day, sex work is work and it's the oldest profession. Um, a lot of actors have turned to OnlyFans during the Kovisha times and mm-hmm. they like it over there because at least they're in control of what's happening as opposed mm-hmm. to these movie sets that are supposed to have intimacy directors, but like they don't. Um, one of one of the ladies from Craft Legacy now has an OnlyFans. I found out because Ooh. I was boosting her during our month of like an actual women in film and history. And I was like, oh, that's not a real website. That's her OnlyFans. I'm not trying to subscribe. I was going to like link that, but it's good. I got that kind of money. I work for a nonprofit. I don't make that kind of money. Listen, listen. But I will say that somebody who worked in nonprofits, never again, first off. (laughs) Um, And yeah, like you definitely have to like look into where your money's going, which is something Mm -hmm. that like we keep having to learn because like people are still boosting Sean King and he's been trash forever and it's been out forever. But people like to default and they don't want to do the work. Where if you take like the five minutes on Google, you can be like, this is where their money goes. This is where their money doesn't go. Because there's so many charities who like on the front, they're like, we're doing all this great stuff for this demographic. And you turn around and they're like, but we also hate LGBTQ people. And it's like, well, then you're not really boosting the demographic if the person happens to also be in that intersection. And so like you have to think about where your dollars are going, which is why I give my dollars mostly to other podcasters because... (laughs) I know what the product is. I know what they're saying. They're right. not out here hating people and like getting canceled. And listen, y'all, I'm not above some OnlyFans. I got some OnlyFans subscriptions. Now I don't make enough money to be like, I got to commit to you every month. I'm be like, here's your seven eighty nine for this month. I might see you in three. Listen, listen. <laughs> Before these last couple Patron subscribers, I was about to go to OnlyFans. Um, so like, <laughs> um, Again, like there, I feel like I have worked so many jobs I hate it, and people look down on sex workers, but I'm like, they're making money and they have agency and like they work for themselves. Whereas I'm here fighting with you every day, Linda, and I'm telling you, this minimum wage ain't worth it. It ain't worth right. it. Yeah, it, yeah, for sure. And so I think the eth- the idea of ethical cannibalism, while funny, is is 
I lo- I liked it because there were, I loved that scene where after he has after he eats the dude that he has sex with after Lee eats the guy that he has sex with, well they both eat him technically Marin eats him too and then they find out that he has a child and a wife and then Marin kind of has this spiral moment where she really it's kind of turned her world upside down and it does Lee's as well but Lee I feel like he seems a little more. Um, been there like he's been doing this for a while and so he he kind of copes with it a little quicker than she does and it eventually i mean it it leads to her leaving him for a hot second you know i think part of that is because in the movie lee ate his dad where mm-hmm. it is in the book it's a little bit murkier but again i don't mm-hmm. know if i'm trying to imprint that on him because i saw the movie first or if it's like in between the lines um, but he don't, he don't tell her he ate the dad, but also don't get to really be a couple because by the time he makes his move, she's eating him. And so like, even though he didn't need to be eaten, cause like him and Sully, they don't, he doesn't get stabbed in the book. He mm. was perfectly fine. He took his clothes off and he got in bed with her and he kissed her on the neck. And she was like, and God. I woke up in his blood. <laughs> I was like, we've all been there, girl. Throw them <laughs> sheets away. Keep living your best life. Um, <laughs> and and you know I will say too, I I there part there re- there there are reasons why I love that ending and there are reasons why I love the ending that we got in the film too. So I love both of those for different reasons. I will say I think that it, and I don't know if this happens in the book, but in the movie, eventually he does tell her that he ate him because he says he in the book. It, okay in the movie he it's the scene. The scene where they flash back to at the end of the movie, they're sitting on the the, the beautiful landscape or whatever. She they start talking about like kind of like their dark, their their own darkness, their own struggles, and he opens up to her. And it's one of my favorite fucking lines of this entire movie because I laughed even though I don't know if it was well, yeah, it was probably meant to be kind of a levity moment because even they kind of smile at it. But she asked him what he did. And he said, "I ate him the fuck up." <laughs> reason why I don't fuck with Kayla in the film because I think in the film she low-key knows that he probably ate his dad and that's part of the reason that he's not comfortable at home that and the fact that he's worried he might eat another family member that is not his dad because his dad deserved that shit and so I think that again that's why when she comes at him with the f word I'm just like girl no because again like he's the oldest kid he's protecting her whatever happened whatever she assumes has happened like there is there is that bond and so i it it felt it felt disingenuous because i come from a big family and while mm-hmm. i don't fuck with some of them uh, <laughs> i wouldn't attack them that way and that's not to say i i because i've gotten into fights with most of them because they are mostly brothers um i was number six of eight me and my sister are only two in that eight that are girls um oh, i definitely have learned how to fight men early in life but like if one of them had come out which i think a couple of them probably should have um one of them had come out <laughs> that would have never been on the table um one of them hadn't come out it still is not on the table because when you are someone who is close to someone and you care about them you know how to hurt them and mm. you know how to do it without slurs yeah that's fair that is fair i i will say too one of the other things i really loved about this movie is specifically the cinematography the way it was shot there's a scene where it's after they run off from the two <laughs> creep dudes they meet uh, and have a beer with it that, that one evening. And like the, the truck is going and it's kind of hitting like rough, 
road, so it's kind of bop, bumping up and down, and the and the the screen the camera is doing that too. And I was like, that's such an interesting choice to make me feel like I'm also in the truck, like I'm also on this journey with them. And I really loved it. The cinematography was gorgeous because, like, I hate America, but this looked really gorgeous on <laughs> in this film. I was like, "Ooh, road trips! Like, I can't go on no road trips. Who the fuck am I talking to? That's not safe." <laughs> um, but like, even at the end, because after she's eaten him and moved out of the apartment in this movie, they give you the like side boob shot that's like guaranteed in all artsy films, where she's like pressed up against his back and they're both shirtless, and you're like, "Are you gonna sell me some Calvin Klein's?" And they're like, "No, we're selling you love, bitch." Um, but it was done in a way that was like high art for the art hose. Yes, I 100% agree. And I think that, I think that's kind of why it, one of the reasons it was so beautiful is because it was about this kind of forgotten world, this kind of timeless America. That's not a part of like the bullshit that we deal with on a daily basis. It's removed from Twitter. It's removed from politics. It's just two people who care about each other sitting on this beautiful land, this beautiful mountainside or, or valley or where, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's kind of why it was so pretty is because it took all that bullshit out and just focused on these characters. It was definitely living in the romanticized America that we've often heard about that never existed. And it's another reason why, again, that slur took me the fuck out. Because, like, <laughs> we were not here. And all of a sudden, his sister's like, I've seen Fox News. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I've seen, that's true. But she, did, she probably had watched Fox News, unfortunately. Unfortunately. It's that, the, it's that type of world. <laughs> the Fox News to Sully's hair braid pipeline is real. <laughs> true. Sully watches Fox News. Oh, you know he does. As he's braiding. <laughs> like... <laughs> Ooh. Oh, covered in blood. Listen. I did appreciate how much blood was in this movie. They did not shy away from the blood. I wanted more, but also they had to like stop eating people and do other stuff. And so I just had to like hush. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was I mean, she was bathed in it a few times. I was like, ooh. I love how she's her stuff is just stained in blood. She's just walking around and nobody's saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't what know do why you say? Stop wearing white. Lee and her wore so much damn white. I was like, y'all know you're cannibals, right? Listen, listen. My theory in all these white outfits <laughs> is that they were supposed to be given this angelic look because they're both like angel faced badass babies. And so it's like, these little angels of death, they might eat you. Oh, it's, and I'm like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. But also, it's not conducted to this lifestyle. You, I would not wear my white dress to go to a barbecue. So right. I know I wouldn't wear it to go eat a person. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes. I my my big note for this movie is actually the movie and the book. My big note for both is I kind of wanted to see her in the future coming to terms with who she is and what she is a little bit more because both of them don't really give me that. Because in the book, she continues eating people after she eats Lee. Like she has a few more pages, and this man's flirting with her, and she's like you want to leave me alone? And he's like, but you're so gorgeous. Like men keep doing this. And then she eats him. Um, <laughs> um, and so like, I just, I wanted her to see that because again, both the book and the movie are about two people who are struggling with a part of themselves that they're trying to accept and learn how to navigate. And so it feels like it's not finished because we don't get to see her accept herself yet. 
Mm. However, that's where the drama is. So maybe there just was not a good way to wrap it up in either with what was left after doing all the other stuff. Yeah, and I will say too, this movie is pretty long in general. Listen, the the, se- the second view, I was like, okay. The first time, I, I was invested. I was in it. I was with them. And this rewatch with my friend Brian, it was like, okay, this is this is dragging a little bit here in some places. But I thought overall the pacing was pretty well, pretty done. It's pretty good, especially if it's your first view. That's my thing about a lot of art house movies is that you get that first initial flicker of passion and you're like, yes. But then when you like take it home, you're like, oh. And so the rewatchability like deteriorates rapidly. Um, yeah. Whereas like you remember the moment that you first saw it, you remember how you felt afterwards. But now it's just like, this is too fucking long. Especially because like, <laughs> The book is, I think the book was a little under 300 pages and it was like definitely a YA book, which I didn't know when we picked that for the book club, which makes sense because like there's not a whole lot of sexy times. (laughs) Um, There's, and the blood is not bloody. Like she definitely eats these boys, but she's not like, and then this spurted and then I drank this. Um, It's more, it's more artsy. It's, it's, (laughs) it's more this happened and I'm sad about it. They'll never find the body though. Like, so. Cause it's in my belly. It's in my belly. Um, he can't say shit because I ate him. And it's a method to resolve conflict. I'm supporting. But it's fair. It's fair. I will say I think this is one of those movies that like I think for me it was just, it's I just saw it in December and it's just now um April. So it's only been like three or four months. And so I feel like Maybe after a year or or so rewatching it, there may be it may be better because it may kind of have I may have forgotten some things, but I remembered most of the stuff. So I was like, okay, now this happened again. And that's the thing stuff. with the art house movie is that yeah. like it's it's art the first time, and then the second and third and fourth time, it's a movie. You never yeah. you never get that high again. It's not going to be one that it's not going to be you know. Pardon me for mentioning this film for I need to just pay royalties at this point but uh it's not going to be a scream where i watch it like once a year or multiple times a year it's one i'll watch now and i'll probably watch it again maybe the next time i have someone over that hasn't seen it and they're like oh okay now you need to watch it you know and it's because they're two different kinds of beasts like yeah the the horror umbrella is so massive and people keep forgetting that which is why they're like nope it's in a horror movie assholes they're they are both horror and they are both excellent at what they're doing but they're doing two separate things and so mm-hmm. scream is made for the rewatchability she mm-hmm. is made for the slasher and the references and the in jokes and the blood and the guts this is definitely i want this on a big screen and i am an artist and i'm doing artistic things and, and i so, want to watch every little thing timothy and and uh, taylor and mark like every little move i want to watch yeah yeah it's and it's different and so it's gonna hit different and so like they're both great, but like I don't need to rewatch this one anytime soon. Even though, if you've not read the book, I do recommend you read the book because the de- changes that were made are so. They're weird choices that I don't know. I don't know which one I like better or worse. Because again, both end real bleak. And I love a bleak ending, but damn, Dude was not <laughs> going to survive either way. And I'm like, damn, Lee. And. <laughs> And in the movie, it makes sense because, like, Sully stabs him and he he's, like, ticking in blood and he's like, I'm not going to make it. And if you take me to the hospital, there's going to be questions. You're going to go to jail. Just eat me. Just eat me. I'll be with you forever. And it's fine. 
And you're like, I hate that, but it makes sense. Cause like we've yeah. we've seen our Bonnie and Clyde's, we've seen our natural born killers. Like you're not gonna make it out. If one of you can, at least that's a good thing that can happen for this couple. Yeah. Um, and I also I love this idea of that she's consuming him so that he will always be with her. Like that whole idea, like even the shot afterwards of them on the, the countryside or whatever, to symbolize that like he's always a part of her. And I think that that's kind of its, again, its own kind of statement on consumerism is that what you consume is a part of, it becomes a part of you, whether you like it or not. I'm sure that the McDonald's cheeseburgers I used to eat as a child are still with me. <laughs> Ah, the I one I had this afternoon is still in my Listen, you know? that science tracks. Oh, that science <laughs> tracks. <laughs> but like in the book, we don't we don't get that beautiful nudge because again, he takes care of Sally, and he could not get in bed with her. He could he could not risk it for that biscuit. Um, but instead, he does, and then he ain't there no more. And I'm like. Thank you for sparing me a romance, but damn, why can't this boy live? Like Timothy <laughs> Chardonnay, are you okay? <laughs> but I, I was gonna say, I also love that both of these versions can live and be good and be their own thing. And because there's so many times when when films or when movies are made into films that the filmmakers forget their source material and they change way too much or they make the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. That I think the changes in this mm-hmm. film made for it to be maybe a better film than someone who just wanted to do the book, the book as written, but that doesn't mean the book's not good. You know, the book can also be good. It'd be its own thing. And this film can yeah. also be incredible. This is one of the few times where I like the book and the movie. Cause normally one is superior and 99% of the time it's the book. But like, I think that I wish I'd read the book first. I didn't know it was a book. Cause I'm always late to the game. Um, I wish I read the book first because I kept trying to imprint things I saw in the movie into that narrative. Mm-hmm like his queerness um and they they're not they're not really there um and so i think that that i i I wish i had done them inversed but they both are good and like the changes that are made i think keep it spicy people who did read the book first because i know i hate when i do see something that i've read a book for and it's just like (laughs) this is the book verbatim I there's a fine line between doing the book justice and also doing something that keeps me in my seat um, and a lot of people just fail. Either they like overshoot and do something drastically different and they'd be like, but it's still Fear Street. I'm like, no, it's not Fear Street, bitch. Or, <laughs> or they're like, let's follow it to the letter. And it feels like a shot for shot mm-hmm. remake of a thing I just read, which I also don't like. And again, it's a hard line to navigate. And so like props to those who pull it off well. And yeah. Yeah, this agree. person does. Um, I I mentioned it in passing earlier, but I have to harp on the fact that I really love seeing women eat in ho- horror movies or any movies because so often when you see women, they're like, I can't eat that. I shouldn't eat that. I'm worried about my body. I got to be a size five. And they have the fat best friend who's just sort of sitting there on the side being the fat best friend. And so <laughs> I, because of these ridiculous weight biases, um, it's so revolutionary to see somebody who is femme have hunger and to act on it. And so I really fucking love that. Even though she was like, it makes me a monster and I hated them so much shame. <laughs> I was like, eat, bitch, well, her, her eat. shame of what? it didn't come from her body image or her blah, 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 or the world, the way, well, it did kind of come from the way the world per- perceived her. 
But it's about her killing someone, not yeah. necessarily about her consuming something. Right, right. But also it just, it, it hits in a way because like, again, like she's like, normal people don't do this. You're not normal. None of us are. So like, eat this bitch. Um, <laughs> um, but also it was just, I, I loved seeing her have hunger and I love what she did give into it. Because again, sometimes when bitches are sitting in front of cheeseburgers and they're ignoring them for the sake of a scene, <laughs> I'm just like, no, no. I know this meal cost you $20. You're going to eat this in the real world. And they're just like, I had a French fry and I'm done because I'm bloated now. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, Hollywood. <laughs> All right. Shall we get to hot takes? Let's get spicy folks. Spicy folks. All right. Uh, my hot take is pretty simple. And I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I think this is the closest thing we will ever get to a perfect romance. Because I think it's equal parts complicated but also i totally am invested in their relationship but i also understand the complications and i understand like i understood why she left when she left i understood why she she came back i understood why she ate him in the end i understood like everything makes sense and everything is complicated but that's what romance is romance isn't easy and i like that this film is not easy actually agree with your hot take which is a rarity because it's a romance where they don't get a happy ending and so it's realistic in that way because part of the reason i can't fuck with romances it's because it's just like and then this lawyer gave up her whole life and moved in with this lumberjack and lived happily ever after and like that's not real her ambitions just died because she got dicked down in the woods once no i <laughs> might have been real good dick listen you know? Show me the receipts. Show me the vehicle. Because she left a whole career, a whole family, a friend base to be like, this brownie man got me. I can't, I don't know, y'all. I can't come back from this. And I'm just like, I don't want to be here. I hate this. And right. And my other issue with romance is that they're normally just very misogynist. And I know that like a lot of people love rom-coms. And they're like, but not all of them. How many pass the Bechdel test? Which is a very low bar. Right. They definitely have their problems. I do enjoy rom-com here, here and now and then again, you know, but they do have their problems, especially if you, the further back you go. Listen, it's <laughs> all about it's all about women coming to their senses to find a man and have babies. And I, neither of those are my energy. I will swipe right on a man, but like at the end of the day, I don't need him to stick around much longer. And so I'm happy she ate him and kept it going. Um, It's like the Romeo and Juliet <laughs> we deserve. And Juliet, if you will. That's what it's called on that play. And Juliet. Because there's a play right. called And Juliet where Juliet mm -hmm. is like, this dummy killed himself. Oh, well, what can I do now? And she like <laughs> steps right. over the body. It's, it's the millennial fever dream because it's, it's, uh, it's that storyline, but put to late 90s, early aughts pop music. <laughs> Listen, I kind of want to see it, even though I don't fuss with Shakespeare. Um, I kind of want to see it because it's not what he envisioned and it's not what he wanted. And so I know I'm going to like it a little bit more than whatever he did. Um, <laughs> um, but that's where I live in the romance department. If you give me something where they don't get together in the end, I'm probably more invested because most people I know don't need to be together, but they keep kind of like fight to be together because they don't want to be alone. But I think that that's kind of, that's this, this fallacy that we have been fed about romance 
and and I and I will be the first to say, even though I do enjoy a rom com, I do enjoy a, a cheesy fucking Hallmark movie every once in a while. I do enjoy a, you know a Disney romp every now and again, but like they fed you something that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Love isn't easy. Romance relationships aren't easy. They're fucking work and they're difficult and they take fucking a lot of work. And I think that's what this film does did so well is that it showed the work yeah. and it wasn't, it, it wasn't all shit. Like there were some funny moments and there were some good moments and there were some happy moments, but there was the shit. There was the, 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 the stuff. <laughs> they take work. And also you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. Unfortunately, that is a RuPaulism. We're going to keep, um, because amen at the hands. so many of my friends are with people that they are settling for, but they don't want to say that part out loud because they don't love themselves enough to ask for more. And so they're like, I've been with this person for so long. I, I, what's the point in leaving? It's like, so you can find happiness because you're always talking about what he said to you, what he did to you, how he's fucking up your bag, how <laughs> he's coming at you sideways. And I'm just like, stop telling me about it. Stop telling me about it if you're not going to fix it. Um, please get therapy. Please get help. Please work on loving yourself because putting somebody there who is not loving you and saying that's love is not healthy. And then you turn around a few years later to have a baby with this person because that's going to supposedly fix your problems and it never does. Tell us all this time. And so I think that we need more romances where people don't get their happy endings because those happy endings are false as fuck. Like we live in a society where if a character on TV is getting a divorce, people lose their shit in the Facebook mentions. There's like, this show can't do this to me. I'll stop watching. And it's like, people get divorced all the time because they keep getting married all the time without asking why. Like, <laughs> the right. conveyor well, belt people are on since me. They're like, I have to get married at 19. We're going to have kids right. I'm 22. And by the time I'm 30, I'm going to cry a lot because I don't know who I was supposed to be and who I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, too, there's a read of this film. Like, yes, it, it, on the surface, they didn't end up together. Like, clearly, she eats it, right? But there is a read of this film that shows that even though they didn't end up physically together in this kind of reality, that he's still with her in spirit and in the fact that the the the, the journey that they made together, right? He's still They're still with each other in a way. And I think, I just think it's beautiful. I think it's incredible filmmaking, storytelling, acting, writing, everything. I feel like that, that clip of Gaga where she's like, and then a club, and then a club, and then a club. <laughs> uh, my actual hot take. <laughs> um, now that you've read all your friends and relationships. Listen, I'm always like, leave him. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, who do you think you were talking to? Like, <laughs> this is the correct answer. Leave him. If he don't spark joy, leave him. Because again, most of my friends are settling. Like, look around, look around. How lucky he is to be alive right now. Because you was in that discount bin at the Walmart and he got lucky. And now he's on your couch without a job. And I'm just like, why, girl? But right. <laughs> my actual hot take, not about my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the closest we'll ever get to another Ganja and Hess for this millennium generation because the millennium has just started, even though she feels like she's been here forever. Um, but this generation that I am in, this millennial life, I think this is the closest we're going to get to another Ganja and Hess. And I know that they're very different vehicles and they're very different culturally. 
But as far as like the vibe and the essence goes, I think it's I think it's a very close situation and they're both like art house gothic romances about loneliness and all those beats are still in there even though one is like cannibals and one is like vampires and they're both very stylized so like they're they are talking to each other and i don't know how much that director did that on purpose versus how much he was just like i see this in this book and i'm gonna make it work but i i like that because so many people have not gone back to watch Gone Has, even though we did a lovely episode on it last season or this season, one of these seasons with Ash from Rise of the Dead. Yes, yes. And I, yeah, that would be an interesting double feature. They're both long as fuck, so it's definitely going to be a day. It'd be a it'd be a long evening of drinking. Listen, and like <laughs> he also dies in the Gone I'm seeing even more patterns when I've said it out loud. <laughs> That's true. Uh, one thing I need to add before we go into this, because I think this is just so funny to me. So both Timothy Chalamet and this director both did Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our real life cannibal, Army Hammer, is also in <laughs> Call Me By Your Name. And this movie came out the same fucking, like, few weeks that that documentary came out about him being a fucking cannibal and I died when I was like the shade the shade I forgot who tried to bring it up with Timmy or Luca um and they were like we did not know that was coming out at the same time please change the subject we don't associate with that cannibal no more look (laughs) (laughs) so good cannibals like Army Hammer was really out here eating bitches and people were just like (laughs) And eat the bones and all, though. Listen. Oh, gosh. So funny. All right, y'all. Well, that is our thoughts on bones and all. Hope you all enjoyed. Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patron, Patreon loves. Um, We'll see y'all next month. Who knows what we'll get into? Listen, we can do so many shenanigans. Wherever you're at in life, you can set up our Discord because you are listening to this on Patreon unless we've released this into the wild for whatever reasons. Um, <laughs> um, so you have access to the Discord. And if you've lost your link, we can resend it to you. We definitely had a conversation about this book, which you could talk about the movie instead because that's part of the reason we picked this first. So you can cheat and be like, I seen the movie. I got thoughts. Or you could be like, I read the book. I got thoughts. Or I did both. I'm a nerd like this bitch. And we can like be like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, hop into Discord and share your thoughts. Because odds are we are still talking about it. And we'll continue to come back to it. Because Timmy Chardonnay can act. Taylor Russell can act. Mark Rylance can act. This film was incredible. I love it so much. Right? Uh, oh, yes. I'm yes, a Timmy yes. Clambake fan now. I love that <laughs> Timmy the Chardonnay and me. It's going to be drinking Chardonnay together Listen. in my bed. It's I. Right. Timmy Chandelier. <laughs> Where are you going? What? <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you again for subscribing and listening. And as always, make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye.